Praise the Lord. Thank you. You would turn in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Praise the Lord. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. This is verse 1. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful army comes, like has never been from of old, nor will ever again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, I'm skipping down to verse 12, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the age, gather the children, and even gather the infants that are nursing. Listen to this. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, Surely your people are spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, Where is their God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, and I just ask that you would anoint this word, Lord. Uh, speak through me, Lord God. Um, Lord, I just pray that it would be your words, Lord God, your spirit, Lord. Father, open up hearts, open up minds, Lord God. Father, I just pray that you minister this word today, Lord. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. All right, that uh, scripture starts with, in, in, in Joel, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. And this is talking about an alarm system that Israel uh, had in ancient times. How many know Israel didn't have a intercom system? They didn't have a system of uh, speakers that would say, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Had this been a real test, how many have heard that before? I know the community I lived in where I was a pastor before here, they had an alarm system that would sound every Wednesday at 11 a.m., and everybody in town would hear the loud sound of the alarm system that just sounded like a very crass horn. Let me know the sound I'm talking about. Many times you're on the highway and you hear that sound of an alarm system, right? And you hear the uh, siren from a uh, ambulance, an ambulance, or the siren of a police car. And uh, immediately what happens in your mind? You immediately respond in kind to an emergency and you pull over to the side of the road and allow them access to the roads. Now, the other day I was driving and uh, somebody didn't pull over. He actually was driving faster than the ambulance ahead of it. 
and he was probably 10 feet ahead of it and just kept driving. He yielded the lane, I assume he was thinking, but uh, he just was actually driving faster than the ambulance still, which, which amazed me. Uh, but how many know that we all are conditioned to react to alarms? And how we react to those alarms uh, determines how effective we're going to be in an emergency situation. And so we have alarms everywhere. We have fire alarms in our home. We have weather advisories uh, in the community. We have weather radios that tell us about storms. And as I was uh, preparing for this message, a lot of people here I know have a depth of study in the Bible and understand that the feasts uh, that the Lord gave Israel in Leviticus, those seven feasts are prophetic. That means that you can look at those feasts and you can see a clear timeline in history with what the Lord is uh, doing in the world around us. In fact, they're uh, signs to us that this is what God is doing on the prophetic calendar and this is how God is going to behave from the very beginning to the very end of history. And very recently here, this last Friday evening, uh, was a period of time. How many know that it's called the uh, Day of Trumpets? And so it's the beginning of the fall feasts in Israel. And these are feasts that are, are these are holy dates, holy signals to Jerusalem, to Israel, that God has a prophetic calendar. And so if you follow what's called the spring feast, there's four spring feasts and then there's three fall feasts. And in the four spring feasts, we see an exact, uh, almost like you were, um, almost like you were in a dress rehearsal and playing a in a play. And to the exact moment you're supposed to enter the stage, uh, Jesus Christ enters based on these feasts. In fact, the first one is called the Feast of Passover, and very evidently. Uh, if you read the Scriptures, you read the Gospels, they're very cautious to make sure everybody understands that Jesus enters the scene on Passover, and the exact moment the Lamb is to be slain, He is actually slain on the cross. And then you see with His burial, you see the uh, second feast, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and uh, He is the fulfillment of the Unleavened Bread, and then you see the fulfillment of the next one, which is called the first fruits. You see that fulfillment at the exact moment on the um, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the feast that the Jews celebrate called first fruits. And then you see uh, 50 days later at Pentecost, they count the days to Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, the Bible clearly identifies that's the day that the Holy Spirit was given to the church um, in fulfillment of that feast. So why, when we get in the fall feast, why would God not continue to fulfill His prophetic calendar with the three fall feasts? And so um, <clears throat> the fall feasts start, they, they resume, if you will, with what's called the Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets uh, is a 10-day period that the Jews refer to as the Days of Awe. Like, not awe, like that's cute, but all A-W-E. Okay, so the Days of Awe are some very 
incredible days that the Jews are supposed to understand through this feast that something incredible is about to happen. And so they have the ten days, and basically the first two days of the feast are a period of watching and waiting. Um, they're to blow trumpets, and the, and the feast, to be honest, that feast is not really... There's not a lot of clarity on that particular feast. There's a lot of mystery to it. And over the period of time, it became what's called Rosh Hashanah, which means uh, head of the new year. It's a new year celebration. But the new year celebration came more out of their Babylonian influence than it came through the feast itself. The feast was supposed to commemorate sometime in their history where they blew trumpets. And they're supposed to commemorate the time of the blowing of trumpets, which turns out to be Exodus, where they're standing at the mountain and the presence of the Lord is on the mountain and God is giving the law and they're blowing and the trumpets are being blown supernaturally. And it's so loud and it's increasing, increasing and increasing in intensity and they're terrified and the fear of God is on that mountain. And uh, that day they never forgot and the Feast of Trumpets was to celebrate uh, that mysterious day when the presence of God uh, was witnessed by uh, over a million people around the base of the mountain. So right now they're celebrating this Feast of Trumpets. And if you're like me, which um, maybe you're not, every time the Feast of Trumpets comes, I watch, wait, I say, when did, at what time did Israel begin to celebrate it? At what time does it end? Um, and then in the days of all, after the two days of waiting for the new moon and waiting for the Feast of Trumpets to start, it's the hour and the day that nobody knows, right? And they're waiting for this day of blowing the trumpets, the signal to something. And it's a signal that when the trumpets begin to blow, this is the time of extreme repentance. And so there's seven days of repentance and seven days of uh, asking God for forgiveness and examining your life. And then um, at the end of that seven days is the completion of the tenth day, which is the uh, Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is followed by the Feast of Tabernacles, where is the ingathering of all the righteous and the uh, damnation of all the wicked. And so, as I began to think about this, I started to think to myself, you know what, I really want to do a message on the Feast of Trumpets. And I really want to, um, you know, really make people understand what the trumpets mean and what they are. And, and, um, and the Lord just quickened my spirit. And said, hey, you need to do a different message on the trumpets. And I said, well, what is that message? And, and the Lord gave me this message. Alarm fatigue. Alarm fatigue. How many have ever heard that term before? Where did you hear the term? Okay. It's a, it's a term that means that if you hear too many alarms... It becomes white noise and you don't hear alarms anymore. In fact, let me give you an example where it's most commonly referred to. It's a major problem in hospitals. I mean, you know, how many have ever been in a hospital for very long and you recognize 
There's a constant beeping, a constant chirping, a constant signals that something uh, is abnormal with the patient. And so uh, let me read this. It says, hospital staffs are facing an alarming problem. Literally, it's constant beeping, welling, and chirping of monitoring devices in which patients are attached. Uh, The IV stand will start beeping when it's empty. The blood pressure alarm will start screaming when the patient moves around in their bed. The ventilator will begin to make a noise when the patient coughs and the heart monitor uh, gives its flatline signal when one of the stick-on pads comes loose. If you're on a hospital staff, it's hard to keep track of all of the sounds. That is, most of them are alarms of a false variety. Now listen to this. One estimate reveals that the alarms on a normal patient go off an average of every 66 seconds. It says a study by John Hopkins Hospital says that there are 350 alarms produced per bed in a single day in an intensive care unit. Now I want you to think about that. 350 different alarms are going off in one bed in an intensive care unit. Now how many think you would get alarm fatigue? And one of the examples they cite is there was a patient that came in who was a teenager who just had a tonsillitis done. And because of the fact that it was such a simple procedure, they muted one of the devices that was on the patient, and this is the problem they're running into. Because you have so many false alarms, you mute the alarm. And because they muted the alarm on this teenager, this teenager ended up dying in the hospital bed because there was no alarm to warn them that he'd stopped breathing. And so the Lord just kind of quickened me, and I was thinking about this scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.8. It says, For if a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for the battle? So if there's not a distinction, and the alarm is not an alarm anymore, then how can you prepare yourself to be ready? And so the shofar is very interesting, this sound system that they had for the ancient world. It was meant to be broadcast entire across an entire city. In fact, if you've ever seen these air horns that are in cities for weather advisories, these air horns are designed to travel long distances. It's a frequency that can travel very well. Uh, in fact, um, it's a harsh sound. Right, very similar to the sound of a shofar. Very loud, it almost sounds like it really, when you hear it broadcast across a, a city. Well, Jerusalem was no different than other ancient cities at that time. The best sound system they had, in fact, it's like the military. How many have ever seen a military bugle? Military bugle, basically you can command a military with that bugle. They know the distinction of the sounds. So Israel wasn't any different. Israel had a sound system, and it was very imperative that you understood every distinction of sound that they had in that sound system. In fact, one particular sound that would you would hear is, uh, one was for assembly. Like when it was time to assemble for an important purpose, there was a distinct sound, and when you heard that sound, 
You knew that it was time to assemble and it was very important. How many have ever been in school and you had the school bell ring? And that bell, everybody knew, hey, that means five minutes till class starts. That next bell, if I'm not sitting in my seat, I'm going to get ridden at attention slip because I wasn't in my seat at the time of the second bell. What's no different in Israel? If the priests were to assemble, there was a distinct sound. Everybody heard that sound and they realized, hey, that's just for the priests. I'm all right. But then if it sounded another way, everybody was to assemble. Um, There was another distinct sound that said, we are to prepare to move when they were in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 11. We're preparing to move. So one signal was prepare to move. Another signal was be in alignment so you can be inspected. And then the third one was it's time to move to a different location. And so that was another distinct set of trumpet sounds. There was another one that says, hey, there is an enemy that is attacking us uh, quickly gather together. Now, how many know you don't want to mix up the distinction of sounds? You couldn't have the same sound for all of those. It had to be very, very distinct. So they had a distinct system where you did not confuse one with the other. Like, you know, you don't want to confuse, prepare to leave, pack your suitcases with an army is invading our village. Okay, because you're going to show up with suitcases and they're going to have spears or they're going to have swords or they're going to have catapults, and you're going to be like, where are we going? How many know that it's a very important system? And you couldn't just yell it out because they wouldn't hear it. You'd have no communication with them. You have to be prepared to deal with the emergency immediately. And one thing you can't do that we have to know here is we just can't be randomly blowing shofars all the time because what would happen? Confusion. Like somebody walks to the camp and says, hey, I'm just playing a little song on my, my horn that sounds just like the horn that and, you know tells the community what to do. Then all of a sudden you have what Paul calls an indistinct sound and everybody's confused, right? And so this system is very important. In fact, in our society, I'm not allowed to just ride around with the siren on my car. Like I love the sound of a siren and my siren makes all kinds of different noises So I'm just going to put it on my car and I'm going to drive around with the noise. Can't do that, can you? If it sounds like a police car or it sounds like an ambulance or it sounds like a weather alert, you're going to harshly, you're going to harshly cause the community to be worked up over nothing. And so you can't do that. That's not acceptable. It's, it's very critical that we be disciplined whenever we use those sounds, because those sounds are part of our emergency preparedness system. How many are following me? And so here we are in Joel, and Joel says, Sound the alarm, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. Now, Joel is specifically talking about, most likely, a period of time when the Assyrians are going to destroy Israel in that day. But all commentators, all Bible scholars agree that he goes beyond the, the, the moment that he's in with the Assyrians. And he's actually talking about a future day that we most likely are living in, the day of the Lord in the last days. 
And so what the Jews observe every year with their 10 days of awe is the period of time that is going to wrap up the world as we know it. It's called the Day of the Lord. And it will begin with the blowing of the trumpet, the alarm. Now remember, the feasts of the Lord are an alarm system for who? The Jews. These feasts are the Jewish feasts. They're part of the Abrahamic covenant. They're part of a Jewish system. And this is a trumpet sound that is going to alert the Jews that you are now in this period of time that is called the last days. And so why is it going to alert them? Because they need to repent at this time. God is going to restore the Jewish people in this time. They're going to find their Messiah. They're going to find their Savior. And it's going to end up at the end of this period with their Day of Atonement. And so this is a very Jewish feast And what the Lord was telling me was, how can we be ready for the day of the Lord if we have alarm fatigue? If we constantly have alarm fatigue, and basically every time an alarm is sounded now, it's like white noise. You might know what that means. That means that if uh, you have a clock in your home, and that clock constantly ticks, and you get used to that clock constantly ticking, eventually you won't even hear the noise of the clock ticking. Somebody will walk into your room and they'll say, man, that clock's loud. And you'll say, what clock? Because you've had that noise so long that it's just been been an accustomed part of your life, you don't even hear it anymore. That's called white noise. Okay, that's the term science gives it. So what if we have so much Fatigue from alarms that we don't even notice when they're there. How many have ever had a check engine light stay on your dash for a long, long time? That's what I'm talking about. That check engine light stays on so long that you fail to even notice when you need it to be there that there's something wrong with your engine because it's, it's, it's became a part of your dash. And uh, so I started reading this article on alarm fatigue, and I found it to be very good advice. This is a from an article called Ways to Reduce Alarm Fatigue in Hospitals. Well, I'm going to preach from a hospital article, huh? The first thing they say is there are a number of ways to reduce how often a monitor sounds the alarm. One of them being simply cleaning and replacing the electrodes or ensuring that a monitor is working as it should. Regularly changing the sensors and establishing routine times to inspect, clean, and maintain equipment helps everything work properly. It also reduces the frequency of alerts related to technical malfunctions, like a low battery, a loose connection. Likewise, replacing aging monitors with new technology can ensure a sounding alarm is a clinically consequential item. And cleaning and replacing the electrodes daily also helps, as fresh electrodes deliver high-quality tracings and better skin electrode contact. Now, this is awesome when I can read that and you feel convicted. (laughs) How many felt convicted when I read that? You're not a nurse, are you? 
See, sometimes when you just preach scriptures, it's white noise. Because you've heard them so many times, you can't respond because it doesn't mean anything to you. But when I read from a hospital journal, we kind of understand that, hey, a dirty machine is not going to work properly. One that is old-fashioned, that was from 40 years ago, isn't going to be able to tell you whether you're dying or not. Okay? And so I'm simply reading this from a hospital manual because you need to be able to hear an alarm again. And the alarm is if your life is filthy, your life is dirty, if your faith is old-fashioned and it's never been renewed in the presence of God, you're not going to have an alarm system that's going to work. You're going to have malfunctions. You're not going to be maintained properly. You're not going to be ready when the alarm sounds because you got dirty equipment. You say, well, what does that mean? Because you insist on, I don't need to be in a Bible study. I don't need to study the Word. I don't need to be in a prayer meeting. I don't need to pray. I don't need to be around fellowship. I don't need all these things. And because you insist on saying that, your alarm system is not working properly. Hello? God is trying to warn you. God is trying to tell you. God is trying to speak to you. But your faith is from 30 years ago. Your study of the Bible is from 30 years ago. You're listening to people that have filthy lives who are preaching to you. You say, well, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just listening to this televangelist who's worth 30 million and all he does is ask for seed money. But I've got a proper alarm system. You've got a dirty system, a corruptible system that is trying to give you a warning. How is that preacher that you watch every Sunday morning on TV and you know nothing about his life, how is he going to give you a proper alarm when God is doing something? Is God going to choose that person to speak to you? I'm just saying, I'm using a hospital manual to tell you that God has a warning system. He's sounding the alarm on the mountains of Jerusalem Get ready because the day of the Lord is coming soon. You say, soon? What does that mean? That means at any moment. That means it could be before we leave the building or it could be a hundred years from now. You say, wow, that's a challenge. How do I, how do I make sure I'm ready? Be ready all the time. The alarm is sounding. You say, well, be ready all the time. What's that mean? That means you could leave here and be dead before the end of the day. And if I don't tell you that, how many know I'm not properly alarming you? In fact, there are all kinds of alarm systems out there. You watch CNN or Fox, how many know they're going to alarm you of so many things that you didn't know you should be alarmed about because they're looking for ratings. There are some preachers that will alarm you about survivalist training Right, And their whole doctrinal emphasis is on surviving the tribulation. And by the way, we sell survival equipment. I mean, know that. That's a dirty trick. Church, we got to be careful that our system is working properly. It's clean. It's maintained. It's top of the line. It's fresh. It's uh, exactly what the Holy Spirit needs to warn you and your family of true danger. And that's the danger of the day of the Lord. Because here's the truth. If you have the alarm system built in, you're not going to miss the coming of the Lord. 
And you don't have to go through the dark and gloomy day. That's the secret of the Bible, the mystery of the Bible. You don't have to go through the day of the Lord if your system works properly. If you're properly plugged into the Word of God, that's why Paul was telling them that he, uh, Jesus actually said, I want you to escape this time to come. Paul says, you're not appointed to this time to come. Uh, the Bible is replete with instructions on how not to be here in the day of the Lord. But if we don't have a proper system that's clean, we're going to be find ourselves right in the middle of a tribulation period. How many know that? And God didn't suffer us to go through that wrath. How many know that too? Hallelujah. Some of you don't believe that because you've been plugged into a dirty system. I'm sorry. You're plugged into a dirty system of teaching. You're plugged into a system that doesn't teach the Word of God properly. That's harsh. Number two, this is from the hospital manual. Another way to reduce alarm fatigue is to cut back the number of alarms that sound during inconsequential events. For example, changing a monitor's threshold uh, when appropriate could help. A threshold is it only goes off at this level. Well, if the threshold is really low, guess what happens? It's constantly going off. So if you raise the threshold a little bit, it doesn't signal as often. So when you raise the threshold, then you don't have to constantly check. You just check when it's consequential. Like when blood pressure is just a little bit high, it's not going to go off. But when it's really high, you better get in there and check on them. Uh, One example comes from Boston Medical Center. By switching cardio monitors, thresholds from warning to crisis, Daily audible alarm averages dropped from 12,546 to 1,424. It dropped 90%. said, so, man, I can't shout when it comes to medical information. But just because they changed the cardio, cardiac monitor threshold from warning to crisis, they dropped 90%. They dropped over... Uh, Almost 11,000 beeps a day changed because they changed the threshold. So let me ask you, how many different alarms are you responding to every day? Because here's what the Lord was putting in my spirit when I was... Because I kept thinking, you know, day of trumpets, day of the alarm... And I'm thinking to myself, nobody's going to hear that alarm. You know why? Because the other 12,000 alarms they're responding to. So the most important alarm, in fact, last week my message was, what must I do to be saved? The only question you really need to answer, the most important question of all, is am I saved or am I not saved? How do I get saved and am I doing that? But how many know if you're responding to 12,000 other alarms that you're dealing with? uh, Well, first, let me answer that question, Chad, when I finish saving the world from socialism. When I completely eradicate communism from my country, when I completely deal with the situation of the education of our children, when we finish this election, 
Uh, when I take care of my retirement, when I uh, completely change the way they do health insurance, how many know there are a million alarms that you're responding to every day? And if you are dealing with all of those alarms and never dealing with your soul, that means you might have alarm fatigue. You might have alarm fatigue. Meaning the day of trumpets could come and it's got one, one goal in mind with the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, one goal in mind. To warn the Jewish people that the day of the Lord is coming. To warn the world that the day is coming. You know what's turned out into in a lot of Jewish society? Drinking and being merry and celebrating the new year because the Babylonians celebrated the new year on that date. You say, oh, Chad, we should honor all Jewish customs. You need to be very careful honoring Jewish customs because you need to honor that Jewish custom based on the Bible, not what they're doing today. How many know that? In fact, uh, do you know that Hanukkah changed with American Jews? You know why? They were competing with Christmas. So now, American Jews, guess what they do for Hanukkah? The tradition is to give gifts because they're competing with their culture. The same thing happened to the Jews when they were in Babylon. They were competing with the Babylonian culture, so it became a new year. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that the first of the year in Exodus says is Passover. That's the beginning of the official religious Jewish new year, and then they have another new year. Uh, It's considered the civil new year, which is uh, Rosh Hashanah. But how many know if you aren't tuned in to the Lord's warning system, then you can go all the way through what they call Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, and you can totally miss that God is warning about the day of the Lord that is coming. And we can totally miss it. And God's natural built-in calendar is trying to get us to notice that. So inconsequential alerts, alerts, I want you to begin to think what your inconsequential alerts are in your life. In fact, what inconsequential just means they don't have real terrible consequences. Okay, you can think all day about a bill that has to be paid, or getting your oil changed, or this problem or that problem, or have all kinds of stress, all kinds of anxiety, and these are the inconsequential things that are, in fact, Jesus said it's the anxieties of life that choke out the cares of this world that choke out the Word of God. How many know that? And the Lord is just asking us today, it's all right to deal with inconsequential things. It's all right to have those things in your life. But what God is saying is the first priority has to be the first priority. And the first priority is, am I ready for this alarm system? How many know that uh, getting an alarm system for an intruder to your house, if you have that, you'll be safe? How many know that? How many know that if you have an alarm system? Because see, here's what we do. In our mind, we think it's going to work out like this. I've got an alarm system. I live in the middle of nowhere. Some of you have been to my house. You know I live in the middle of nowhere. But even I could think I've got an alarm system. It goes off and what happens? There's an intruder in my home and the police are instantly there, right? 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 Isn't that what we think in our mind? I'm taken care of because I have an alarm system. 
That baby goes off. Police immediately hear Chad's in trouble. And within one minute, they're at my door to take care of the intruder. I'm safe. How many think that a lot of people with alarm system, that's as far as they've gone? There are a lot of people that don't even have the alarm system. There are a lot of people that believe the alarm system will go off and I'm totally safe because the police will be right there. And see, here's the problem. We sometimes don't think through emergencies. In fact, everybody has a fire alarm, right? And so they immediately think, what's going to happen? That alarm's going to go off. The oldest person in my house to the youngest person in my house is going to get out. We're all going to be safe. We're going to hug each other, and we're going to say, it's just a home. It can be replaced. But in a real fire, that's not what happens. In a real fire, you've got people that are um, not dealing with a fire. They're dealing with smoke. And you've got little children that are trying to figure out, how do I get out of a burning building full of smoke? And how do we all know that everybody's out when there's chaos? And you don't know exactly what that's like until your entire house is on fire and you're walking around that house trying to save people. Then you realize it's terrible. It's terrifying. It's very difficult. And, and so what, what they recommend is teach a child where the meeting place is. Teach them where they're to meet so we know they're out. You know, make sure that they know how to find their way through a burning room and stay low. Teach them how to conduct themselves during the emergency because the alarm is just simply there to tell you it's there. What I'm saying is there are some people that are prepared for emergencies and some people just have the alarm clock or the alarm. So if you wanted to be ready for an intruder, right, there are some of us that not only want to know the intruder's there, but we've got a plan on how we're going to protect our family whenever the intruder is engaged, right? I mean, some of you are so ready. It's like somebody will be walking in the door and you'll, you'll be like, I've been waiting for you, right? And then Junior walks out of the room and he's like, I've been waiting for you too, you know? And I'm just saying there's being ready for the Lord and there's being ready for the Lord. There's being like, uh, yeah, if the Lord came back, I think I would be ready. But what if everything you believe is true? And what if everything you believe is, I'm going to be raptured. And the sounding of that trumpet, I'm going to be with the Lord. Well, now all of a sudden, you may have family members that are here, and they don't know what to do. I thought I was ready. Well, we got to really be ready. Because there's a whole different world that's going to be left for the people that you love. You say, no, no, I only love me. <laughs> you can't live that way. you got to make sure everybody's ready, and if they're not ready, we want to make sure we know what the world that they live in is going to be like at the time of the rapture. And there's such a thing as being ready, and then there's such a thing as like being really ready. It's like if there's a fire, as soon as that fire alarm goes off, Man, I want the whole family to know exactly what we're supposed to do. Most of us don't do that, right? Like, if there's a fire, do they know how to grab the extinguisher and use it? 
If there's a fire, do they know where to meet? If there's a fire, do they know how to get the most vulnerable ones out? I'll tell you what, sometimes, like one day my son was cooking, and the house, the lower level was full of smoke from the from the oven, or from the frying pan. And so somebody took the batteries out, because that's a good way to stop the fire alarm from going off and being annoying, right? But here's the problem. Got to remember to put the batteries back in. Because if those batteries stay out, now that annoying sound that you shut off might save your life. And if it's not there, it's not there to save your life. And so, boy, we got to be really careful about turning off alarms. And we've got to be really careful about not being fully prepared for the coming of the Lord. And we got to be really prepared that we don't have 10,000 alarms that don't mean anything. They're just inconsequential. How many think we put out a lot of fires that are really inconsequential? When all God really asks is just be right with me. Just get your life right with me. Live right. Be ready. You know, spend all your time preparing other people to be ready. They don't have to agree with you. How many know that? They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to convert. All you have to do is say, I love you, I believe this, you don't, but here's what's going to happen, I want you to be ready. And I don't think most people would be offended over that. You, I just want you to be ready. Here's what's going to happen, I want you ready now, but if you're not, this is what's going to happen. And church, we've got to have that level of preparation. Hallelujah. How many think we could go through the Feast of Trumpets, like I said, and not even recognize the day of the Lord out of that feast? It's the signal that the day of the Lord is here. No turning back. Once it's here, it's here. It means seven years of tribulation on the earth when the trumpet blows, and we don't know the day, the time, the hour when it blows. It's the official recognition that the seven-year tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, has started. Amen. How many think we missed that? Nobody. Everybody celebrated the day of the Lord coming soon. Friday night, right? From sundown to sundown. Okay. Good. You guys are much more spiritual than me. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, my next one is getting rid of the noise. It says, the constant deal of alarms ultimately causes alert fatigue. The beeps, the buzzes throughout the day eventually turn to white noise that you ignore. One stride toward combating alarm fatigue is tracking events uh, that are truly meaningful. This is, again, a hospital manual. The way that you get rid of hospital fatigue, the the mentality that ignores alerts, the way you get rid of it is track only things that are meaningful. Track only the things that are meaningful to the staff. Man, whoever thought we could learn from a hospital staff, huh? I mean, I think it's important to stay focused on the Lord. Focus on the things that are very important, the things that are very critical, the things that are eternal. How much of our day is spent thinking on things that aren't eternal? In fact, we can hate our neighbor or our family member, and that is so short-sighted because we're not thinking about eternity. There's a lot of actions, there's a lot of behaviors, and, and what God is just saying is just keep it really simple. You know, in fact, I think Solomon narrowed it down to this in Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep His commandments. Keep it simple. Fear God, keep His commandments. Keep it simple. Hallelujah. 
And we do. How many know that a lot of people's spiritual life is very complicated? How many know that there are a lot of people, their diet, a Bible study, is the Internet? So every time they pull up an article, they're, they don't have a real consistent theology because they get this one, they get that one, and they got this diet of junk food, and then all of a sudden their spiritual life has become very complicated. Some will go to one extreme, and that is constantly blowing the alarm shofar, which means that you're constantly on alert to something that is about to happen, and then it doesn't happen, and guess what happens to you? It all becomes white noise now. Because all I've heard is alarm over alarm over alarm over alarm, and I don't have my nose in my word. I'm not, uh, I don't have any relationship with the Lord. All I hear is this alarmist. Now, how many think some of these alarmists can do it to sell books? You ever think about that? Some of them want to sell books, some of them want to get subscribers to their YouTube channel. And I'm just warning you because I don't want you to have alarm fatigue. Learn to study the Bible for yourself. Have a very consistent, and I'm going to use a big word here, consistent hermeneutic, okay? That is the word that just simply says the discipline on how I study the Bible is consistent. Because let me tell you something, Revelation, depending on what school you study with, if you mix them, If you mix a preterist with a futurist interpretation of Revelation, or you mix a historicist with a what's called a futurist interpretation, it's almost going to look like a foreign language. Those those uh, interpretation disciplines are so different that you're going to be really confused, and what you end up with is what's called eclectic, which means I've mixed them all together. And I'm interpreting the events today based on four different disciplines of interpretation. And so you've got to be really careful. You've got to find people that, that really are solid teachers and not just internet, uh, an internet diet of all these different teachers. And I'll tell you, anybody that I know that just studies the internet for their understanding of the Bible has a mixture of so many different ideals that I don't see how a person could survive. There's so much alarmist stuff that's on the internet. Why? Because it catches people's attention. People don't know the word for themselves. They know what the person on the internet said, or they know what the person on the television said. And you've got to have a real disciplined approach to studying, and you've got to have a very consistent interpretation of the Bible, or else you're going to have the latest fantastic ideal, and Paul warned about this. That's why Paul was constantly warning about false teachers and false prophets, because there was always going to be this alarmist out there. In fact, that's why he wrote several of the books. One of the books of Thessalonians, he specifically had to address it because somebody wrote them a letter with his name on it. Said it was from him, but it wasn't from him. And so they were constantly warning about false teachers and false prophets. And and um, so we've got to be really careful how we study the Word. We've got to be very diligent. Like Paul said, be like the Bereans. You know, they read it and confirm that it's so, right? Hallelujah. The last one that they mention here, completely remove all false alarms. False alarms refer to the instance when your monitoring equipment indicates 
physiologic event that actually did not occur. Research shows 72 to 99% of alarms are false. Too many of false alarms will lead nurses to override alarms, which compromises the patient's safety. Take steps to decide which monitors are necessary for each patient, as mentioned above, and the appropriate thresholds. Wow, isn't that interesting? The majority of their signals are events that actually do not occur. Now, how many can see this in your life? How many can see that there are books that you've read that alarmed you? And they said, this is going to happen in this amount of time. You're going to see this happen. And the only thing that ended up happening was you lost your $15.99 and it never happened. You know, how many have ever seen, um, and see, here's the problem. They're not saying throw all of your diagnostic equipment away. What they're saying is you need the diagnostic equipment or else your patient will die. But what you don't need is to have an accumulation of monitoring systems that give you false alarms. And so that's why we study the Word of God, because the Bible says the Word of God is literally breathed from God, and it's acceptable to use for reproof, to teach, to discipline, to rebuke. It's, it's acceptable for all of those things. In church, we've got to get into the Word of God And we've got to use this as our pattern for truth. And if we go to men, if we go to the latest uh, teaching that's not biblical, if we go to the latest teacher, we go to the latest movement, we go to every, what Paul calls the every false wind of doctrine, if that is our source for determining what's going to happen in the last days, we're going to have so many false alarms. You know what we're going to do? Click it off. And the Lord's asking us not to do that. The Lord's saying, you need this diagnostic equipment. You need a true prophetic word from the Word of God. You need a true uh, understanding of what's going to happen in the last days. And finally, I'll end with this. How many know that alarm systems are there to make you have peace? How many know that? Ultimately, an alarm system is there for you to be relaxed. Like if I didn't have an alarm system for fires, would you sleep as well with or without a fire alarm? I would sleep much better knowing I had a fire alarm. I would sleep even better if I knew that I had a plan to go with my fire alarm. If I had a system for intruders, would I sleep better if I had the system to monitor whether there's an intruder Like if I'm gone somewhere and I have an alarm system, would you rather know that somebody is in your home or have to guess? There's peace of mind knowing that there is an alarm system. And so the Word of God is there to let us know that this is exactly what's going to happen in the world around us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to be unsure. We don't have to say, well... God's just kind of left us here and forsaken us. God wants us to know the Word of God really well because He wants us to know the end from the beginning. God wants us to know exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't want us to be surprised when things happen in the world. We should be the least surprised people because we have 
the answer of what's going to happen in the last days. And so the purpose of God telling us what's going to happen is not to make us scared. It's not to make us afraid. It's not to make us uh, upset. Uh, It's to say, hey, I've got this thing under control, and I have a plan. Be part of my plan. And so not only hearing the alarm, but also having a plan that agrees with God's plan. It's like, okay, God, so there's going to be a day of the Lord, but you say you haven't appointed me to this. You say that uh, this wrath is not appointed for us. You say that in the twinkling of an eye, I'll be gone. So I need to plan my life according to that. Uh, You say that when I die, I'll be in the presence of the Lord, and it's better to be in the presence of the Lord to be in this world. Well, I'm going to plan my life according to that. You say that I should trust you in everything that I do, and uh, you'll give me the peace that passes all understanding. Okay, God, well, I guess I'm going to line up my life with that. And how many know if you're a Christian, we shouldn't be stressed like the world? We shouldn't have anxiety like the world. We shouldn't be surprised when the world walks in darkness because uh, the Lord said that they walk in darkness. We shouldn't be surprised when we see the events that are mentioned um, as the, as the, um, in the last days, uh, earthquakes, rumors of wars. Uh, we see uh, Jerusalem being a stumbling block, Jerusalem becoming a nation, a potential third temple. These things shouldn't stress us or give us anxiety that should make us excited. We should be happy because we know exactly what the Lord is doing, and we know exactly the preparation that He expects us to have for these events. So when we celebrate the Day of Trumpets, a lot of people don't realize this, but the actual meaning of the Day of Trumpets is the Days of Teruah. It is the uh, Yom Teruah, the Day of Teruah. It's not even exactly the trumpet, it's the shout. It's the shout of joy. It's a shout of a trumpet. It's a lifting up of joy because God has not forgotten us. God is going to intervene in the events of the world, and He's going to make the world His own. He's going to rise up, and and it's going to end in a kingdom that is ruled by His Messiah. And we should be very excited because of the day of the Lord. And so a lot of times we miss this. How many know that um, this isn't the world that we were called to live in? How many ever drive around and say, man, I'll be so glad when I'm in heaven. How many do that? I do that all the time. I say, God, this is not the world I'm supposed to live in. And man, it is exciting for me to know. In fact, I am excited. This is weird, but I'm excited that one day I'm going to die and be in his presence. That excites me. You say, man, you're supposed to be upset about that. You're supposed to be sad. Well, I'm sad because I'll leave the people I love. But boy, I'm not sad about being in the presence of the Lord. I'm not sad about leaving this world behind and being in the presence of the Lord. You say, well, man, we ought to be sad when the day of the Lord comes. It's a terrible, gloomy, dark day. No, it isn't. No, I'm going to shout. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be excited because that's my day. That's my day that I get to be in the presence of the Lord. If I'm on this earth and I get to be a part of that group, you know, that's on earth and gets to be caught up in heaven, you know, and you say, well, what what if you're not one of those people and you're not caught up? Then I'll be one of the dead that rises. You know, it's an exciting day. It's a day of shouting. It's a day of dread for those who don't have a plan, though. Those who don't hear the alarm. Those who aren't ready for the alarm, aren't prepared for the alarm. So we need to be ready. If you'll stand to your feet.
Hallelujah. So the Bible goes on and it says, Do not be weary in well-doing. Do not get tired. Serve the Lord. Don't have alarm fatigue. Be prepared. Be ready. In fact, I uh, love to just read the Word of God and just examine myself. Say, man, am I ready? Am I in the faith? Am I ready to go be with the Lord? And uh, that's what we need to do. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord. Lord, I just ask you you would speak to hearts, Lord God. Father, let us not be like the world, Lord God, who has fatigue, Lord God. Every time they turn their TVs on, there's a crisis. Lord, I pray that you would simplify hearts and minds. Lord, that we'd have clarity, Lord God. There's only a few things in this world that are essential, and being right with you is the number one thing, Lord, to be ready, to be watching and waiting. Father, I pray that you bless this uh, these Christians that are in this room, Lord God, the people that are in this room, Lord, those who are watching, Lord, online, I just pray that you would speak to every heart, Lord God. Minister, Lord, to everyone, Lord. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. If you just keep your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, how many in this room would say, and I'm not going to have you raise your hands, you just need to answer it for yourself. Pastor Chad, I know that I'm ready. I know that I'm right with God. I'm watching. I'm waiting. I'm excited. There should be an excitement that I'm ready to be with the Lord. I'm ready to be in His presence. And I want you to answer this question too. Are you so ready for that important question that you've actually prepared the people around you for that moment? I believe it so strongly that I've prepared even the people around me for that moment. I'm so convinced at the coming of the Lord. Church, if you would, I just want you to answer those questions. We're going to go into a song of worship here. If you need prayer, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. Well, today's your day. I would love to pray with you now, after the service, at any moment. Uh, pull me aside when it's most comfortable, and I'd like to pray that prayer with you. Never given your heart to the Lord, or maybe you're backslidden, or maybe you feel like I'm not right at this moment to be with the Lord. Answer that question. That's the alarm that's important to hear and important to answer. And uh, I also want you to pray for your family, those who are lost, those who aren't ready, that they would be a burden on your heart, that you would bring them before the Lord every day because the day of the Lord is coming very quickly, very soon. We need to be ready. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. scripture that I read in Joel 2, that song reminded me, it says, um, even now says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning in your hearts, rending of your hearts, not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious, He is merciful, He is slow to anger, He is abounding in steadfast love, He relents from punishing. 
God doesn't want anybody to be here in the day of the Lord. He doesn't want us to be there for His wrath. But it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, assemble the age, the children, and the nursing child. Listen to this. This is fascinating. Let the bridegroom leave his room, and let the bride leave her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Isn't that interesting that there's a bridegroom? Bridegroom leaving his room and a bride her canopy. A couple weeks ago, Eddie ministered about the Jewish wedding and how they uh, are in the period of time where they're betrothed. And then at some point, the son doesn't know when, the father says, go get your bride. Now, how many know that this is a distinct blowing of the trumpet? Because when he's told to go get his bride, he does it with a shout, and he does it with the sound of a trumpet. When Paul says uh, that the dead in Christ will rise first, there's a shout. Every time Jesus shouts, the dead come alive. Let me know that every time he shouted, dead came alive. And then it says there is a blow of a horn. And then Paul says at the twinkling of an eye, when that trumpet blows, he will come and he'll get his bride. So that's why Joel says that the groom will leave his room and the bride will leave her canopy, blow the trumpet in Zion. And that's why it's sad for one group. That's why I say ministers weep at the altar because of this. Because the bride is coming for his bride was as joyous, but now darkness and gloom is on the earth. And he says, pray to the Jewish people and pray, God, spare them. It's powerful. Very powerful. And church, we've got to recognize the day that we live in, that fall feast schedule is prophetic and it's going to happen just like the spring feast happened. He's going to fulfill each one of those feasts just like God commanded it in the very beginning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together, Lord God, and I just pray over your people. I pray every ear, Lord God, that hears this message. I pray your spirit upon them, Lord God, your grace, your mercy, your love, Lord God. Father, I pray that we would uh, have sensitive ears to hear the sounding of your alarm, Lord God, on your holy mountain. You said your sheep will hear your voice. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to prepare, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Everybody said.